reunite old friends and life isn't going well for, for many of them. And so this is a lady who'd been betrayed um, in her marriage. And we're, we're looking at this topic of betrayal. And what you see in that video is, is um, some of the emotions that come up when, when we're betrayed. And <clears throat> we've all probably experienced betrayal on different level. Um, you know, some maybe like this, some among friends, some maybe at work, some maybe uh, people you're uh, you know close to at church even. You know, there's just all sorts of different relationships that potentially could set us up for being uh, hurt and damaged, even betrayed. Well, we're we're using this message today to wrap up this series on fears. We all fear different things. Uh, we fear losing things. Most 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 of our fears have to do with the potential loss of something. Our own life causes uh, the fear of our own life, the fear of, uh, you know, of other people, other people's lives being lost. That, that is a, uh, probably the most intense fear that we will experience, the fear of death. We looked at the fear of significance and the economy. And just, but today, this one really is very different because it's kind of like a death. If you've been betrayed by someone, which you see what she's expressing right there, um, it hurts like a death. Because you're stabbed in the back by someone you trust. You're, you're, you're wounded by someone you're close to, someone who you have given something very special to. One of the most special gifts that we can give to people is trust, right? That is something you don't just give away freely, but you, you pick and choose who you trust. And when you do give your trust to someone, and then they stab you later, uh, that, that really hurts. It, just, it does a lot more damage than just the loss of money. You know, you can get past the loss of money. You can get past feeling rotten if you don't feel really significant. But when you're betrayed, there's a deeper wound, I think, that, which is why we've kind of bookmarked this series with the fear of death and the fear of betrayal, because those are probably the most difficult fears that we have to face in life. Um, but as we move into this topic today, I'd like you to ask yourself um, some questions, because this question might set you up for this fear, depending on how you answer it. Uh, the question is this, am I totally dependent on any one person? Am I totally dependent on any one person? Is there someone that I just cannot live without or, or I'm afraid that I can't live without them? Maybe it's a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe it's just a parent even. But if there is that kind of attitude in your life, it really sets you up potentially for you're in a very vulnerable position when you... Um, when you have that much dependency on any other person on this earth. It puts you in a very vulnerable place because trust can be broken. When, when this attitude crops up in us, it really can tweak. If we have that kind of close codependency, it can tweak the relationships that we have. And it can also make us a real drain on other people. We don't realize it, but too much dependency can create a, a suction in our relationships that we don't realize. Also, it can cripple our ability to just function as an adult. We have a hard time moving forward in life with dependencies like, like this. And you see what it did in this video. Now, I'm not saying that that's wrong, that she's hurting like that. All of us would hurt in the same way if we were betrayed. Um, but there's some things we can do to protect ourselves. There's some wise decisions we can make to handle our relationships wisely so that we can protect ourselves from... Uh, the hurts that will come in relationships because we will be wounded in, in relationships. We will get hurt. The goal for our relationships is 
or at least for a healthy relationship, is to grow out of being dependent on people and become fully dependent on God. And at the same time, to become interdependent on the people around us. Sometimes we get really dependent on people and we uh, are overly dependent on them. We need God, but we're really, really wrapped up in, in people. And what, what God's goal is to get us to depend fully, ultimately, on Him and to learn to, to work with and to relate in a healthy way to the people around us, but not to grow fully dependent on the people around us because we can get hurt. There's some common fears that come up with betrayal. And these are some things that we might do in order to avoid being betrayed. And you can see these in your listening guide. The first one is this. We might build a wall of protection around ourselves. Just build this giant wall not allowing other people to get close to us. Um, because we're afraid that we're going to get hurt, obviously. Uh, but what over time this will do is it will make our life empty. If we keep others at a distance, if we don't let anybody in, over time we're going to feel ripped off by the people around us. And any joy, any progress that comes in your life, if you have no one to share that with, it's just it's empty. So you, you reach some amazing goal and you look around, there's no one to share that with. What's the, you know, what's the pleasure in that? That's just, that's no good for us. But maybe, maybe you've been burned in the past, and so you, you have built a wall, a wall of protection around yourself. You're keeping others out. I see this happen even at church. People come to, to, and they're wounded. People have been hurt in other places, and so sometimes it's easy to just avoid making connection with new people because I don't want to go through the pain of that again, right? But again, over time, life just dries up. It gets empty. Or maybe you've let others in, in a place like this, or among friends, or out on the job. You, you, you appear to have relationships, but it's at a very, very surface level. It's just, hey, how's it going, buddy? What's up, man? And it's, it's nothing below the surface. Nobody gets into who you really are. Nobody knows what's really going on in our lives. This is another way of just building a wall around ourselves. That's one of the common reactions to the fear of betrayal. We just build a wall, keep others out. The second reaction is this. We try to please everyone so they won't betray us. So we do what everybody, we try to make everybody happy at all costs in order to keep them in our lives. We're trying to hang on to the connection that we have with others because we don't want to lose them. And so will people please. We'll just, we'll become very, very important to them. And so what it does, it sets us up in, in an unhealthy way for becoming less of a real person. Less of a whole person. And it's interesting, in Scripture we find this. There are some very dramatic stories of betrayal in Scripture. Very, very intense stories of people who were betrayed. Before I get to those, sometimes we think of relationships as, you know, we do the math of relationships. And if we are dependent on other people, the math works out like this. If I'm just half of a person, if I'm needing someone else to complete me, two half people don't make a whole. What really happens is we're, we're still lacking. We're still, and we suck the life out of each other in relationships. Two whole people can have healthy relationships. It actually multiplies our ability to enjoy life. If, if you're a whole person and you're depending fully on God and you connect with another person who's a whole person, they're not depending on anyone else fully, you're able to just experience things on a much, much different level. It's not even addition. It's like multiplication in relationships if you'll fully depend on God. But like I said, there are some betrayal stories in Scripture that just jump out at us that God wants 
He included it in the Bible so that we could really learn how to deal with this fear. Now, the first betrayal that you might be familiar with is Joseph. Joseph was betrayed by his, uh, his brothers. He was sold into slavery. If you're familiar with the story, you know, you, you thought you fought with your siblings. You know, you hear stories about, oh, I fought with my brothers and sisters growing up. You know, we did this and that. How would you like to be sold into slavery by your brothers? You know, that's, that's a pretty raw deal. But they were jealous because he was their father's favorite son. And so what they do, they, they go and sell him into slavery. I want to tell you a little bit more about that. But that's one of the famous betrayal stories. We're going to learn something from it. Another one is David was betrayed by King Saul. So David was a young man. He was betrayed by this older king who led Israel, the first king of Israel, Saul. David had single-handedly fought a battle and preserved Saul's kingdom. And Saul betrays the person who really he was indebted to. We're going to learn something out of that. And then also Jesus. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about his betrayal as well. But we're going to learn some things about these guys and what they got in those experiences, how they walked through those things. And there's some clues as far as how to deal with the fear of betrayal. The first one is this. It comes out of the life of David. The first thing to deal with this fear is to pour out your heart to God, to go to God, to become dependent on Him. This comes from a time where David is on the run. It says he's in a cave running from the king, like I said, who owed him his kingdom. The reason that Saul owed him his kingdom was because David had stepped up and challenged a giant who defied the armies of God. And nobody was willing to fight this man, Goliath, who was leading the Philistine army. And so this man is taunting God's armies. And David, this young, this young teenage, teenager, steps up and says, I'll, I'll fight this man. I'll fight this giant. He takes down this eight-foot giant. He preserves the kingdom of Israel. And he prevents Saul and all the people of Israel from becoming subservient to the Philistines. And then Saul turns on David out of jealousy. And so David is on the run and he's in a cave and he prays this prayer. This is from Psalm 142, verses 1 through 5. In your Bible, the first lines actually read a mascal of David. What that is, a mascal means it's an instructive poem. There's something that he's trying to teach through this. When he was in the cave, this is the prayer he, he cried. It says, I cry aloud to the Lord. He's pouring out his, his heart to God. I lift up my voice for the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. He'd been betrayed. But this is a good example where he doesn't run and tell somebody else about how he's feeling. He runs first to the God who knows him, who loves him, and who can take care of him. And he pours his heart out to him. He goes to God first. This is a great example to us to not just go and complain to others or not go and first run to others. Look at verse 3. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who knows my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Like he's, he's saying, people, have, they're trying to trap me. There's people that, I, that are around me that I trust that are trying to trap me. Verse 4. Look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. He felt abandoned. I, I have no refuge, he said. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So go to God first. Ask Him to help you through it. And then, bring the right things to mind. Bring the right things. There's all sorts of things that come to our mind when we're betrayed, but we have the ability to control the thoughts that come to our mind. We have a choice 
with the thoughts. So as you're working through hurt and betrayal and disappointment, control what comes into your mind. Look at Isaiah 41. For I am the Lord your God. Your God, I'm sorry, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, for I will help you. God is right there. He wants to remind us of His promises. And He wants for us to refuse our, our thoughts to just run wild, which they will. They will run wild if we allow them to. Sometimes when I'm hurt or when I'm discouraged, um, there's a passage that God u- has used in my life since we've started this church. It's Psalm 121. He, God used that passage to give us direction as far as where we were going to plant this church and moving from Diamond Bar to Riverside and packing up, selling our house and leading a team to, to start a church in a new town. When it was just a, a small group of us, uh, I really needed something to hang on to from the Lord. And through my time with Him, came upon Psalm 121, which is, a, which is a chapter in the Bible that is precious to me now. And in times when I'm hurt, in times when I'm discouraged, when I feel like this is not going to go well or this is not working, I run back to the truth of this passage. I get, I get my mind wrapped around what is true. And God, He renews my purpose. He renews my focus. We, we've got to do that. We have to bring the right things to our mind. God, he, He's used Scripture many times in my life to just steady me when I'm frustrated or when I'm I'm confused. But another thing you can do as you're pouring your heart to God is set your heart, or set your mind, I'm sorry, set your heart to wait for Him to act. Now this is a very difficult thing for us to do. Because most of the time, we want to make someone pay, right, when they've hurt us. We don't want to wait on God. That's, what's the fun in that? If we can take pleasure, if, we can, if they've hurt us, and we have the ability to lash back or to hurt them back, it almost seems like a no-brainer. Shouldn't we just plan our revenge, plot it out on paper, and then work out our plans and attack at some point? You know, they, have, they may have truly hurt us, but God wants us to take a different approach. He wants us to set our heart to just wait for Him, to see what He's going to do. Psalm 27 reminds us of this. It says, I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This is so difficult for us because we don't live in a society that says, wait. We live in a society that says, spend, act, do, now, go. You're going to miss the opportunity. And so when we're hurt, it's just, it's almost like knee-jerk reaction. When we're knocked down, we get back up and we want to, we want to battle. But what God wants us to do when it comes to interpersonal relationships and when we're damaged, He wants us to set our heart to wait. Joseph, he was betrayed by his brothers. They were, they were jealous of them. Their first plan of action is interesting. Their first plan, because they were jealous of, of him, was, to, was basically to throw him in a pit and to let him die. If you read in the story, you can read this in Genesis 37 through 50. So they see their brother coming. They're jealous of, the, of him. And they said, hey, look, here comes that dreamer. Let's, let's throw him in this pit and just let him die. Who cares what happens to him? But then they realized... We could profit off of this. This just shows you how shrewd their plan was. Rather than just you know, letting him die, they decide to profit off it. They're still choosing to, you know, to basically allow him to be dead in their own minds. We're walking away from him as our brother. So they sell him off. They don't care what happens to him. They sell him off. They profit from it. And, and Joseph, it's interesting, if you track the story, he never blames he never blames them for his current situation. 
He doesn't rise up and start planning when he had opportunity to take his brothers down. But he trusted in God and he was faithful in the moment. But there's no hope or future by continuing to just dwell on what someone has done to us. And you don't see it in the life of, of Joseph when we're hurt. When he was hurt, he doesn't just keep replaying the hurt in his mind. He keeps trusting God in the moment. That's a key. And I'd encourage you to read Genesis 37 through 50. I'd jot that down. If you've never read the story, he's sold into slavery by his brothers. He rises to the number one spot in, in the home that he's sold into. He becomes number one as, he becomes number one to a man named Potiphar, who basically says, you can, you know, you can run this place. And he realized, wow, Joseph realized, I'm, I'm the top dog here. I can have anything. Except he realizes that the master's wife was, was kind of off limits for him. Well, the master's wife tries to seduce him because apparently he's an attractive guy. She's an attractive woman. You would think that Joseph would be thinking, ah, here's my revenge. I may not take it out of my brothers, but at least I can have mine right now. He chooses, though, to trust God. He chooses to not take the bait. And, and he doesn't fall for the trap. But um, the wife has it out for him anyway, and she charges him with trying to rape her and he goes into prison and he's betrayed again. And you're like, man, Joseph, now's the time to rise up and, and hurt somebody. He's in prison again. Again, he doesn't rise up and, and hurt anybody. He makes some friends in there, does some favors. He asks someone, hey, when you get out, will you remember me? And he's, he's forgotten about. The guy that said, yeah, I'll remember you when I get back before Pharaoh. He's betrayed again. This thing happens over and over and you think, man... Joseph, you keep getting a raw deal. Maybe you need to change your approach. But he just kept getting busy, doing what he could do in the moment, pleasing God. And at the very end of his life, he finds himself second in command of the whole land of Egypt. He's, a, he's an Israelite. He's a Jewish man. But he's second in charge of all of Egypt under Pharaoh. And, and God was doing some amazing things through his life to provide for, for, for God's people, for the Egyptians even. And it's interesting when Joseph's father dies and Joseph finally faces his brothers and he's, he's the number two guy in the land, he, he, he can do whatever he wants with them. And they thought, we're dead, we're going to be taken out. Joseph says this to them in Genesis 50. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You've got to read the story to understand why he would say that. But he saw there was a greater purpose God was working out. And he'd set his heart to just wait on God. He knew God would work out something in his own time, not in, you know, in his own mind, what, we, what he could think of. Another thing, though, as you're pouring out your heart to God, is, is just let God be the strength of your heart. When, you, when your heart is damaged, when you're cut, we need God to repair that hurt. So allow Him to provide some inner strength so you have the power to forgive, the power to bless, Especially after times you've been betrayed. Look at Psalm 73. It says, Whom have I in heaven but you? Look at how the dependency for God plays out in this verse. And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. Verse 28 says, But as for you, or I'm sorry, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. So turn to God and find your strength in Him day after day. As you get time with Him, as you spend time in the Word and in prayer, that's like eating your spiritual Wheaties. 
God provides some inner strength as we do that. If we don't do that, we have very little to offer people once we've been hurt. Because knowing that we're people and we're going to do damage in our relationships, we really need to connect with God daily to to allow Him to uh, renew our strength after we've been hurt. Another important key to dealing with the fear of betrayal is this. The second thing is let God heal past wounds. God wants to bring healing to, to past hurts, betrayals. And if you don't deal with old wounds, they will spread. So if you've been hurt and you just have let that wound fester, it's impossible not to allow that to contaminate the rest of your, your mind and your relationships. Old wounds will spread. They'll infect other parts of your body. And open wounds make you very disloyal to the people in your life, to the people around you. You may not realize it, but they do. It sets you up for hurting other people. And it doesn't allow you to stick in real relationships if you don't deal with old wounds. You might want to connect with new people, but unless you deal with the past, unless you're willing to forgive people, unless you're willing to have a conversation, unless you're willing to acknowledge that there's pain still there, it's going to be very difficult for you moving forward with new people. In marriage, in friendships, in church life, it's going to be really, really difficult. The way you do that is this. First, you humbly recognize your own need for forgiveness. And if you can, you let it go. So this has to do with seeing ourselves for who we really are and what we're really capable of in real life. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So what we do is we admit first that I needed to be forgiven. We realize and we admit I had rebelled against God. I betrayed God. I, did, I chose to not do life God's way. I chose to live independent from Him. I needed His forgiveness and through Christ He offered forgiveness for my sins and for the penalty of my sin, which is death. And because of that, if you've experienced that, it allows you to look past the hurt that other people may dish out towards you. He forgives us so that out of the strength of His forgiveness, we can actually forgive other people in, 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 in a way that only God can produce within us. But it's dangerous to be proud when, when we're hurt. It's dangerous to, to just think about ourselves in the situation because what we do is we ignore our own selfishness and we ignore our own need for God's forgiveness if we're unwilling to humble ourselves and admit, you know what, I've blown it too. I've screwed up in life, and so when I'm hurt, I'm feeling the way that God must have felt, or that God feels when I rebel against Him. It, put, it changes our perspective and our ability to, to reach out to people and to give people a second chance. Romans 2, 3, and 4, it's not in your outline, but it says this. I was reading this last night. It said, so when you, a mere man, pass judgment... On them, and yet you do the same things. Do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? We can have like selective amnesia that conveniently just forgets about our own faults when we're relating to people. We just selectively, selectively forget, oh, God had kindness on me because of the way I treated Him and the way that I live my life and the things that I do to others. But when this guy ripped me off or hurt me, and he's going to pay. We just forget about our own need for forgiveness and the way that God grants that to us. 
So keep that in perspective. But also in humility, another thing is try to understand why. Try to understand the hurt. Seek to understand things from that other person's viewpoint. That's what Colossians says. Paul gave this instructions to the church in, in, in Colossae. He said this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. This, picture this. Some, this is, when he talks about clothing, Scripture gives this imagery of put on, put off, or clothe. It has to do with something you have to do every day. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Compassion, that word, has to do with seeking to understand other people. If you can't understand why they hurt you, you can still try to be understanding. I don't know if that makes sense. But you're like, I can't understand. It doesn't make any sense. But you can still seek to look at things from their vantage point. Because sometimes there are much deeper issues in play in a person's life, and they hurt you. And maybe what God is doing is He's surfacing the hurt in their own lives through some rough interaction, maybe even through some betrayal. So try to see things from their perspective. Ask God for help in this. Many times we refuse to admit that we could do the same thing to others out of our own pride. So, so ask, ask why. Try to understand why this is happening, why it has happened. Also, another thing, pull out the roots of resentment and bitterness. Just yank out the roots that would cause you to get bitter and angry and just to stew on things. Hebrews says this, See to it that none of you misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Bitterness and resentment settles in our heart and it chokes out the life. And it chokes out God's ability to create new and fresh things in our lives and create purpose in our life. Bitterness chokes the life of that stuff out. So don't let the seed of resentment be planted in your heart because full bloom, it can cause real damage to all of our relationships and to our mind. It can really tweak our mind, create a lot of trouble. So the way we do it is we pull it out. The way we pull it out is we we forgive others. That's how you pull out the root of resentment and bitterness. We learn to forgive in humility. Again, realizing God has forgiven me I can forgive others. Ask Him for the strength to do that. You might not be able to do that on your own. And so what I'd encourage you to do is to talk to somebody. Maybe talk, write it down on your connection card and say, I'd like to talk to someone about working through um, resentment and bitterness that I'm harboring towards some people in the past. Maybe you'd like for someone to pray with you as you begin to maybe write a letter, make a phone call. Um, begin to process what needs to happen so that you can deal with the root of resentment and bitterness before it gets away from you. It will. It will get away from you. That's why this the imagery of resentment and bitterness has to do with like weeds. The picture is it will choke out the life of other things. It will take over. The third thing is this. Refuse to take revenge. This is an area that is reserved for God alone. God, He reserves the right to pay people back for wrong done. This is not in your outline, but Romans chapter 12, verses 17. You might jot that down. Romans 12, 17 says this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. So, you know, you get someone does wrong to you. Naturally, we want to repay with evil, right? It says don't do that. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Verse 18 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. 
my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So he says, don't, don't lash back. Don't lash out at them for what they've done. Don't repay evil for evil. He's God saying, this is my, this is my area of protection. This is my realm of work. He goes on, it, he takes it another step which is even scarier, I think, than not taking revenge. He says, on the contrary, if your enemy, this is verse 20 of Romans 12, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. That, that would be a difficult thing. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. So the picture here is you see your enemy down the road and you realize he's in a vulnerable position. Now now's my chance to pay back. He's, he's saying something different. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As I was reading that, I was thinking about how there's this bigger picture that we don't realize. That sometimes we, we in our friendships, and our relationships, we have enemies that form over time through hurt. But sometimes we don't realize there's a, there's a real enemy who wants to take us down and take us out. And we make the enemy other people, oftentimes. We confuse who the real enemy is. And we start paying people back, and we take, we take an area that God says, that's, that's mine. See, Jesus was betrayed by Judas. He sets this example of just not touching revenge. He didn't, he didn't you know, wipe out Judas from the cross as he could have. But Jesus was betrayed. We look to him for this example. Not only was he betrayed by Judas, but Jesus was betrayed by all of humanity. Because we owed him our worship. He's God. Jesus is God who came in the flesh as a man. He shows up on earth, God himself. He came to serve. And rather than giving him the worship that was due him, what did we do? As all humanity, we nailed him to a cross. And he died a criminal's death. And he was betrayed by all of humanity. And then look at First Peter. You have this in your outline. First Peter gives us the instructions on how not to pay back from Jesus' life. First Peter 2 says, When they hurled their insults at him, he was being betrayed. He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So Jesus, he shows us how to deal with betrayal. You entrust yourself to God. When you've been hurt, you say, God, I'm in your hands. I entrust myself to you. I entrust my emotions to you. Don't pay back. Don't Don't take revenge. Leave that to God. This is something I'm learning more and more in life. Because um, just like you, it's in me to want to pay back. But I've seen in times when I've stepped in and I've seen in times when I've waited on God and just let God repay. And it may, it may be years and you may not even see it, but God is still at work in those situations. And there's things He's trying to do possibly in this other person's life that we don't see and we may not understand for years. But the last thing we can do to deal with fear is this. Cast your fears on God. It has to do with prayer. When you feel the twinge of fear come up, just turn to Him. First Peter says this, Cast all your anxiety on Him, for He cares for you. And the context of this verse is interesting. The context of First Peter 5 has to do with following leaders at church. 
But, but apply this to any authority that you have in your life, which we all are under authority. Every single one of us finds themselves under authority. And it's all, according to Scripture, it's all spiritual authority, according to Scripture. You might think, oh, it's my boss. No, it's really God's agent in your life who's working some things out. Oh, it's my husband. No, it's really God's agent in your life who's, who's, who's working some things out. Oh, it's, it's, it's this or that leader. No, it's God's agent in your life. So it's scary for us when we're asked to follow authority because we're thinking, man, what if they don't notice me? What if they rip me off? What if they take advantage of me and betray me? Cast your anxiety on God. He cares for you. He knows what you need. So when the twinge comes up, go to, go to the Lord in prayer. We're gonna, uh, I ask you to take out the connection card here and in just a moment the band's gonna come up and, um, there's some next steps I'd encourage you to consider taking one or maybe more of these. The first one is this. You might consider memorizing 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Another thing is pour out your heart to God. Maybe that's a starting point for you. Rather than going to people, stop the, the run to others and start pouring your heart out to God. Go to Him first. Another thing is maybe just begin to deal with some of the wounds like we talked about. Or refuse to take revenge. You know, tear up the plot. You might have the, it already plotted out. Here's where he's going to be. Here's where I need to be. Here's the angle of the weapon I need to have. And here's the trajectory and all this. Just tear up the plans and trust God. The last thing, cast my fears on the Lord. Let, let's go to him in prayer as we do that. Father, you, you promise, Lord, that you care for us. And I thank you so much that that's true, Lord. Thank you that all of us here have experienced your goodness and in different ways, Lord. And there's times when we walk through some very, very troubling moments and interactions with other people. And it's hard for us to believe that you really care for us in those moments. But God, I know that you do. And Lord, I ask you for the ability to, to, uh, to place our stress and our anxiety and our worry on you as we're working through hurt that we, that we all have experienced, God. I pray that you'd, um, you'd remind us in humility of our overall need for you. God, you... You have shown us tremendous mercy and love and forgiveness by giving an opportunity for us to come into fellowship with You through sending Your Son, Jesus, for us. Lord, that, that's an amazing thing. It's, it's not something that we really take time to pause and to, to let sink in enough. But Lord, we admit that. We, we admit that we need You. We need Your forgiveness. And Lord, that does help us in our ability to forgive other people. I pray that if there's someone here that doesn't know You, Lord, I pray that today, Lord, you would um, help them to to communicate that to us here, to come and talk to someone, to, to just express that on the connection card so that we can give them some information or have a conversation with them, Lord. But if there's also some people here that are just carrying some wounds and some hurts that are just plaguing them, Lord, I pray that you'd bring freedom as you help them to work through the past hurts, Lord. Thank you for your word, how it speaks to the issues that we actually face, and not just gives us more information, but Lord, it, it gives us life application. Lord, we love you so much, God, and we, we ask that you work, continue to work in our lives. Continue to speak through us, Lord, as we, as we give back to you right now through our offerings and also as we sing and just offer ourselves to you and we just declare how worthy you are, God. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.